I'm your co-host, Michael Soto. And I'm your co-host, Landon Phillips. And, and we, we are, are Gender, gender curious. curious. The ways that human beings understand and experience gender is constantly changing and evolving because we as human beings are constantly changing and evolving. This podcast is all about exploring all things gender with curiosity, not judgment. This podcast is for everyone who, like us, is interested in learning about all things gender. As Kara Walker said, once you open up the Pandora's box of race and gender, you're never done. Let's open it up. Let's, Let's get, get curious. curious. today's episode, we're covering a very small, easy to cover topic. Um, that's a joke. <laughs> I was so sound really out weird. stressed about what I was going to say next that when you made a joke, I'm just staring at you. Staring at me. <laughs> no, but it is. A, it's uh, not a simple topic. It's, it's a big one. It's huge. Yeah. What is gender? So we're going to be trying to define gender today in this podcast to set a baseline for pretty much the entire podcast moving forward. Yeah, we got to have some co some context, um, foundation to start from. And the fun, the most fun thing about this complex gender definition is that it changes all the time. It does. <laughs> because we're learning new stuff all the time and yes. our gender social, our society changes, the definition changes. So we're going to be trying our best to keep you up to date. <laughs> yeah. But here, this is a really good place to start. So it is. Yeah. Um, we thought we'd start with a couple of definitions of gender, um, just to kick us off. And uh, I'll start with the Merriam-Webster dictionary definition for gender. Um, it's pretty straightforward and simple. The behavioral, cultural, or psychological traits typically associated with one's sex. The World Health Organization has uh, a similar definition. Gender refers to the characteristics of men, women, girls, and boys that are socially constructed. This includes norms, behaviors, and roles associated with being a woman, man, girl, or boy, as well as relationships with each other. As a social construct, gender varies from society to society. Well, that was not words. Society to society and can change over time. So yeah, so we're done then, right? That's just, we'll just close the book on gender and that's it. Yeah, yeah, we're fine. Simple. Um, so, so what we see here is um, gender is a human experience, right? This is something that human beings as a species experience. But I think what's interesting about gender is that we also experience it as societies and as individuals. So we're having this interesting sort of constant experience of each of us has gender and we have societies that have lots of ideas about gender. Mm -hmm. And the experience of gender is not like this unique little category wedge of our lives, like, oh, that's the gender part of my life. It <laughs> intersects with everything, everything that we do, yeah. every social interaction that we have, everything is defined or influenced by gender. So it's yeah. pretty pervasive. It yeah. is, uh, from the way you cut your hair, right, to the clothes that you put on, um, at different times in history to whether your gender could uh, dictate whether or not you were able to get a loan by yourself or you had to have a co-signer, right? Um, gender can control lots of things in life. How much money, it influences how much money you make over your life, right? Mm -hmm. We know that there's a gender pay gap. Um, so yeah, so gender is something that's constant in our lives, but also the definition of it or the way we experience of it, it as human beings isn't fixed, right? It's mm -hmm. something that changes as uh, societies grow and change, um, 
I think an interesting example is, you know, we live in the United States and during the 20th century, the last century, um, typically the United States Western right based uh, society had two gender categories, right? Men and women, boys and girls. But at the same time in South Asia, uh, that's a great example of societies that had a third category, right? They have the hydra mm -hmm. um, or the kinar uh, as an official third gender gender category in their societies. So men, women, and hydra. Yeah, and we, as um, I mean, all throughout the United States, but especially in our area in Arizona, there's tons of American indigenous people, and they have um, a two spirit gender experience. Yeah, um, which is. I don't want to say it's a third gender because I'm not educated enough. We'll get into that with a fun guest. Yeah. Um, but it is more than just the binary man, woman, right. uh, gendered culture. Yeah. So yeah, it is different all around the world um, and is very dynamic. Yeah, it is. And if we, uh, I don't know, Landon, have you read Transgender Warriors by Leslie Feinberg? I don't think I have. Great book, um, does kind of a, sort of a big intro to the history of gender. Um, and in that book, uh, they talk about how gender in many societies has been more than just man or woman, right? And how gender has been defined and redefined throughout human history. And so um, that makes gender a really interesting concept, but also a really difficult concept because it's been so different, but also there are through lines, right? Throughout human societies around gender. One, I think such through line is I don't, I'm not aware of a single human society that's ever had one category of gender. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and having one category of gender is kind of the same as having no yeah, category. Like if everyone's the same, right? Then there's, then basically, there's basically no gender anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that is interesting. I can't think of one. Um, let's make one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so, a little side project. <laughs> um, so uh, another sort of category that is always associated with gender is sex, right? So um, when we're talking about sex, um, that basically what we're referring to are the two main biological or physiological categories of the human species, right? Or mm -hmm. of, and other animal species. Um, and these are typically divided based on reproductive functions, right? So male and female. Yeah, and that, uh, that can be based on a lot of different things that like mm -hmm. can be based on your chromosomes, yep. your gene expression, uh, your hormone levels, how your hormones interact with your body, um, and then your like, reproductive anatomy as well. Yeah. And those things don't always line up. Right. Like yeah. your chromosomes might not match mm -hmm. what your anatomy is supposed to be or whatever uh, it may be. So sex can be a very complicated we like to talk about sex like, oh, sex is man or woman and gender is the one that you can have fun with. Right. But sex is also way more complicated than we often admit. Yeah. Um, and that's not just in human beings, that's all over the animal kingdom. There are creatures that can change their biological sex halfway through their life, depending yep. on their environment. There are, you know, like there's, there's all sorts of ways that biological sex even is not a binary. Yeah, it's uh, like, many things for animal species, including the human animal species, um, biological sex is varied and growing and changing constantly too, right? Because species are always growing and changing constantly mm -hmm. and there's lots of variation. That's 
one thing we know for sure with biology is there's lots of variation and variation is healthy in any given species. And so um, we'll do a whole episode about sex, a real deep dive. We'll probably yeah. have, a, hopefully, a, a doctor or scientist uh, with us to explore that um, because there's a whole lot to explore there. Um, but gender and sex tend to reference one another, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, they have a relationship to one another in, in our society and in our own individual lives. Yeah, um, they do. They often are um, like supposed to line up together. Like that's true. That's the like quote ideal right. of at least our culture. Yes, is that your biological sex, which a lot of times we don't fully investigate. Like we don't do chromosome like testing. chromosome tests on yeah. a kid. You yeah. know, like it's mostly just based on reproductive anatomy, which is not always cut and dry. So sometimes they just pick one right. or <laughs> hormone levels or like hormone. puberty right yeah like there's a, yeah there's so many things but so when we talk about the the binary sex that you're quote supposed to be is the one that you were assigned mm-hmm. at birth so yeah. when you're in the hospital and the doctor's filling out your birth certificate the, the little m or the f that they mark on there is what your gender is now supposed to be because it's supposed to line up uh, and we we call that experience being cisgender mm-hmm. um which is sounds like a really fancy term that a lot of people haven't heard of, but it's pretty much just if the gender that you feel you are, if your gender experience matches what you were assigned at birth, right. then you are, ha- are having a cisgender experience, you're cisgender. Yeah, and if that gender uh, that you were assigned at birth aligns with your biology, right? And, mm-hmm. and what we assume is your chromosomal sex, your gene expression, your hormone levels and function, and your reproductive or sexual anatomy. So, because yeah, exactly. we make some assumptions about that when children are born, right? We, yeah. Um, and through puberty, right? We say, oh, okay, this child looks like they their sex is this, therefore their gender is this. Yeah. And that's being cisgender when those things align. Mm-hmm. Being trans is a little bit different, right? So for trans people, um, that's when perhaps our, our uh, assigned at birth gender and our biological sex doesn't align with the gender that we are as human beings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sometimes like for both of us, yeah. <laughs> that little M or the F on the birth certificate is yep. not uh, how we actually experience the world and how we want to relate to the world. Exactly. Um, and that makes us transgender. transgender exactly. <laughs> yep. And then there are intersex people, mm-hmm. right? And so there are so many different types of intersex people. And these are uh, folks whose maybe perhaps their chromosomal sex does not align with their reproductive anatomy, right? And mm-hmm. so they've got reproductive anatomy that maybe doesn't, would not always be assumed to match up with their chromosomes. So someone who maybe has two X's and a Y, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Right? There's lots of, there are actually different versions of chromosomal sex, gene expression um, that can affect anatomy, uh, that maybe don't affect anatomy, maybe they affect hormone uh, expression, mm-hmm. all of these sorts of things. So lots of variation in there um, that I think is really fun to investigate from, a, you know, just a human experience perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so too. I have a friend who's intersex mm-hmm. who is also non-binary. Nice. So yeah. their gender experience is not strictly male or female wow. and their anatomy is not strictly male or female so like does that make me cisgender <laughs> like, <laughs> that's cool because i, I do that. feel like what my body is does that make me cisgender wow but intersex people can be cisgender transgender non-binary yeah um people don't just because you are don't have a like clear cut and dry 
definition of your biological sex does not mean that you now have to be transgender or LGBT. Like there are plenty yeah. of people who don't identify with that and that's totally fine. Absolutely, mm -hmm. that's just part of the variation, right? Yeah, of human yeah. experience. So we've got gender, we've got sex. We also have gender identity and gender expression. You wanna take on gender identity? What is gender identity? Yeah, so gender identity is more of an internal experience. That is how you are experiencing your gender. Um, so we, we found a definition in the Encyclopedia Britannica that says a gender identity, an individual self-conception as a man or woman or as a boy or girl, or as some combination of man, boy and woman, girl, or as someone fluctuating between man, boy and woman slash girl, or as someone outside those categories altogether. Wow, that, that's kind of a complicated definition, yeah. <laughs> but essentially it means our individual experience with our gender, right? That's mm -hmm. our gender identity. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the ways, how does, uh, so our gender identity, how do we make that known to people? What are some of the ways that we do that? Yeah, so there's a lot of ways to express gender. Um, one of the obvious ways is in the way that you dress. Yeah. So like if you feel very feminine, if you feel very womanly, mm -hmm. um, you might wear a dress mm -hmm. or heels or pearls or makeup <laughs> or, you know. I love it. Yeah, so that, that's like your physical appearance, which could be clothes and then also personal grooming. So how you cut your hair, whether you dye your hair a fun color. Mm -hmm. um, the jewelry you wear. Yeah, jewelry, yeah, yeah. exactly. That's great. Um, and also in the way we show up, right? The way mm -hmm. we sit, perhaps, uh, mm -hmm. the space we take up in a room, um, whether we speak up or not in meetings, right? Those things can often be attributed to our gendered experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah because if you, as someone assigned female at birth are supposed to be very unassuming and mm. quiet and polite and nurturing um, and you don't present yourself that way you present yourself as bold and loud and powerful and assertive yeah. um, those that can be a form of gender expression yeah absolutely i think that actually segues us really perfectly into gender roles um, so gender roles are very related to gender identity and expression um, and so gender roles are uh, really the behavior that's considered appropriate for the gender um, within that, that you are, you know, that your gender identity reflects um, within the society you live in, right? And so that can be uh, feminine acting women and girls, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, feminine being defined as um, not taking up too much space, right? Being polite, being more quiet, um, masculine for men and boys being taking up space, right? Being assertive, uh, sharing your opinion regularly, right? Those sorts mm -hmm. of things. Yeah, and yeah. your role can also be expectations for your path in life. So it mm. could be what career yeah. you are supposed to go into or that is appropriate. Yeah. So being a woman in STEM might be challenging mm -hmm. because that's not what you're supposed to do as a woman. Yeah. Um, expectations on parenthood, yeah. on marriage, on the age of being married, on so a lot of like the expectations of how your life is supposed to go and the path that you're supposed to be on is affected more often than not by uh, your your gender role. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how have you experienced that in life? I, being trans is fun because I got to experience the like female roles because I was assigned female at birth and those types of expectations and tr both trying to fit in to yeah. that role and all like simultaneously rejecting that role yeah 
and then moving into a male space where I was free from the like female role, but then had to perform the male role, you know? So <laughs> I like got out of one world and into another, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Um, and there are things that I embrace from mm -hmm. both worlds and things that I reject from both worlds. Mm -hmm. um, I like, for example, didn't want to be a stay at home mom. Mm -hmm. And that's something that was kind of expected from me in my religious culture as a person assigned female at birth. Um, and then moving out of that now as a man, I am the person who's expected to kill the spider in the house <laughs> and I don't want to do that. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> but how, how have you experienced that? What has your, are there roles that you, like what are some roles that you embrace and what are some roles that mm -hmm. you maybe feel like don't work for you? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think uh, roles around career and sort of, you know, going out into the world, making a difference, like doing, having sort of a public life has always felt comfortable to me. Yeah. Um, which uh, in the spiritual tradition we were both, right, raised in wasn't necessarily the expectation. Also in my family, um, lots of the women were uh, stay at home moms. Um, my mom being the exception, she was a, a single mother. Um, and so she was working and raising me by herself. Um, my mom also was, um, uh, she joined the army to uh, at 18, basically, to uh, get out into the world and try something new. And so I feel like with my fam my larger family, I had a lot of expectations of sort of more traditional um, feminine roles and roles of womanhood. Um, but my mom was sort of the exception to that, right? Mm -hmm. She joined the army during the Vietnam War, uh, worked at the Army War College and at the Pentagon. Um, she just went out there and went after the things that she wanted. And so my mom really raised me um, to just define my own life. And actually, I think that gave me the freedom in lots of ways to defy a lot of those gender roles that didn't fit during my youth when mm -hmm. I was expected to perform girlhood and you know wanting to be a, a young woman and a woman uh, someday. And so... Um, yeah, my mom is really, really uh, supportive of me breaking those norms, right? And being very athletic, um, being very smart, being very outspoken, um, and, you know, sort of doing things a little differently. I think the one area that was very hard for her that has always been hard for her is that I knew I didn't want to uh, be a parent or have biological children always, um, just because, I, I don't know, that's just always felt like that would be not good for me. Um, and that was one thing that I got a lot of pushback on from my entire family of like, oh, someday you'll change your mind. And mm -hmm. just, yeah, no. Yeah, uh, the yeah. classic, one day you'll want that. Right, <laughs> like, no, I don't think I will. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's just always been a difficult thing. And I think like, I think if the right circumstances arrived, I could, potentially be a good dad um i think i would need a a partner and you know mm -hmm. have to have the right circumstances um but yeah i never wanted to be a mother i never wanted to have children in the way that my body biologically could and so yeah just never it feels like icky even talking about it you know yeah that yeah. makes sense yeah and that that rejection for example of like motherhood as an aspect of womanhood yeah. is not unique to trans masculine people right. there are plenty of cisgender 
women who mm-hmm. don't want that and they are not interested in playing that gender role. Right, like um, carrying a child and yeah, doing all of that, yeah. Yeah, so that acceptance or rejection of any type of role or behavior or mm-hmm. manner of dress, manner of speech, attitude, um, that's usually associated with gender, that is not a uniquely transgender experience. Right. Every person gets to decide what aspects of gender they want to be a part of. And for some people that's easier or harder to do depending on how like strict their gendered culture and upbringing is. Yeah. Um, but that is a pretty universal experience is deciding what kind of woman or man or whatever you want to be. Yeah, what kind of gender you want to, to what kind of gender roles you want to accept as a part of your gender identity. Yeah. I remember I uh, was dating someone once, this was, I don't know, more than a decade ago. And um, was total, this totally was random, but I think we were making dinner or something. And um, this woman that I was dating said something like, well, you should always take out the trash. And I was like, that is arbitrary and weird. And no, oh, thank no. you. That's just silly. There's nothing about taking out the trash that is that should be uniquely done by men of any kind. Everybody's capable of taking out the trash. How about when it's full, you take it out, <laughs> no yeah. matter your gender in the household. <laughs> yeah. That is the like relationships yeah. are a very gendered space. There are a lot yes. of gendered expectations in a relationship. Yeah. Um and that can be um anything that can be in the bedroom, that can mm-hmm. be taking out the trash. Yep. Uh, it can be who's going to pay for dinner. Yes. <laughs> there are all sorts of things that are kind of attempted to be dictated to us based on uh our gender. Yeah. And again that is an experience that everybody has like some heterosexual cisgender relationships have a stay-at-home dad yeah absolutely and the the wife is a career woman Mm -hmm. you know like there's there's so many ways for a family or a relationship to work and look and that is kind of a universal experience Mm -hmm. but it's interesting to think about and to realize that like i oh i don't have to be what society is determined is the appropriate way for me to be in this relationship. That's something that I really like about um, gender and family structures in 21st century United States is that now that, um, you know, for quite a few years, LGBTQ people have been able to get married and form families legally. Um, We're seeing lots and lots of ways to do gender within families, right? Lots of different ways to um, sort of flip gender roles or share different gender roles to raise healthier children and create healthier families. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, a lot of um, my lesbian friends mm-hmm. get asked like, so which one of you is the man? Oh gosh. <laughs> and it's because people are expecting there to be these two distinct yeah. roles yeah. and one of them has to fill it, even if they know that she's not a man, right. but like somebody has to fill that space because that's the way for it to look. Sure. But I do agree that um, we are seeing more and more and more that we are able to break free from those expectations mm-hmm. and have families that look like anything, whatever works for those people and brings them the most joy and allows for the best health for them and their children. And we are able yeah. to fully explore that and allow for that because we're not sticking so hard to like this cookie cutter way of being. Yeah, these, these expectations. So all of that being said, what are ways that you fit within gender roles that are expected of you or gender roles in mm-hmm. society for? That's a question that's a little hard to answer because I don't believe in so many of the gender roles. So Mm -hmm. like I love being 
in management at my places of work. I yeah. love being a take charge person. I love having ideas. I love being in leadership positions. Yeah. Um, I love like when I, I was a manager at a place where a lot of the employees were like teenagers and it was their first <laughs> job at high school. And I just oh. loved helping them grow and develop as people in the workplace and as human beings. Yeah. I love being that person. And in those workplaces, that was the male role. Mm -hmm. Like the women just did not get those kinds of promotions and it was really messed up and I don't work for them anymore. <laughs> but at like that was considered the male role and that's something that I love to do and not something that I believe is obviously uh, the male thing to do, sure. but there are like a lot of leadership positions and opportunities um, that are more accessible to me now, mm -hmm. thanks to my newfound male privilege. Yeah. But I do embrace those roles and I appreciate being that person. I, I love being the caretaker mm -hmm. um, in relationships as well, mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of a blend of the nurturing feminine position and, and the protective yeah. like male role. Sure. Um, but I do love being that protective figure. Mm -hmm. um, so there are there are definitely, and I mean, the way that I present myself, the way that I is appropriate for me to dress. I mean, I'm, I'm if you're watching the video, I'm wearing dangly earrings and stuff, <laughs> so, and I wear makeup sometimes, but like for the most part, the way that I present myself is more like binary masculine and is appropriate for the male role. And I am totally fine with that most of the time. Yeah. So yeah, there definitely are um, ways that I do fit into the social male role that I am perfectly happy with and love. And mm -hmm. I wish they weren't strictly male things, mm -hmm. but they are working for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. What about yeah. for yourself? Um, I think uh, there are a lot of things that I'm very comfortable with, with manhood and maleness, um, where I experienced a lot of discomfort with uh, femininity or femaleness or girlhood growing up. Um, I don't have that kind of dissonance with being a man and manhood and a lot of the things that are sort of expected of men. Um, I love, I love being the person who fixes things for other people mm -hmm. who takes care of that kind of stuff. Right. If someone has a problem, I love being the person that someone comes to and is like, Hey, I need to know how to do this or I need help with this. Like I love, I don't know. I love sort of that uh, being someone who can be of service to other people. Right. That's uh, I think a defining characteristic of my manhood and maleness. Um, I'm not a very good caretaker. Um, I wish I probably would be better at that. Um, I actually, my mother lives with me um, because she can't live on her own and uh, probably something she wishes is that I was a better caretaker. Um, I'm not very nurturing, uh, but I am good at providing like a safe, stable space. Mm -hmm. And I take a lot of pride in that. You know, I provide a, a safe home for her to live in that is healthy and helps to keep her well. And I'm good at keeping her on schedule and, you know, kind of making sure she's doing the things she needs to, to take care of her own health. Um, but I'm not a super nurturing person in maybe traditional ways, but more of a, uh, I don't know, someone who can provide a positive container for someone to hopefully thrive in. Um, I think leadership roles definitely, you know, have always gravitated towards that. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's lots of things about manhood that I feel very comfortable with. I love mm -hmm. going to like a, a barbershop and just being in a men's space. That always feels like kind of a, I still get a thrill from that, you know, like, oh, I yeah. love being in this space. It's so One fun. One of the boys. One of the boys, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I love spending time with my brothers, you just us being brothers, you know, just having this space together. And we're non-traditional in lots of ways. Um, uh, when my father passed away, several friends remarked on um, the way, you know, my brothers and I 
spent time watching musicals together and that's something we've always bonded over in part probably because we watched a lot of musicals growing up in a conservative faith tradition as kids mm-hmm. um and that's maybe atypical masculine <laughs> to, like all of us love musicals yeah. um but uh yeah i don't know i love being in that brother space having that you know time to bond as brothers together mm-hmm. yeah that's cool yeah. gender Gender roles and expression are silly sometimes to me, mm. but they are such good communication tools. Mm. Even if innately wearing a dress is does not make you more or less of a woman, right. the, because of the way that that is perceived, it is a very good tool for helping others understand the way that you feel internally. Yeah, It's kind of like if you have a flat tire on the side of the road and you have those little teeny tiny orange cones yeah. to like, or flags so people know you're there. There is nothing about those flags or cones that is going to stop a car from hitting you. Like totally. they mean nothing, but yeah. they're orange, and society <laughs> understands that as don't drive there. Yeah. And so you can use that as a tool to communicate to people because of our social structure, because yeah. in our culture, in our like in our way of construction, we use orange as a like as barriers, and yeah. you can use that to then communicate to other people. So a lot of my gender like embracing of gender roles and the way that I express myself is not even necessarily because I feel like I need to be that way. Like it's all just social construct. It's it's pretty just made up, but it is a really good way of communicating to people how I want to be treated and how yeah. I treat other people. Um, it gives a first impression of me that I feel like I can craft to be who I actually am now yeah. that I'm free to play with gender and use gender as a communicative yeah. tool. Absolutely. Um, I feel that way a lot about uh, wearing like male professional attire right wearing suits right wearing wearing a tie doing that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff i always feel um, that feels so good to me right to be able to dress that way and communicate who i am very clearly in that environment by what i'm wearing yeah 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 exactly it does it feels good to wear a well-tailored suit i will say i think every single person needs a (laughs) well-tailored suit (laughs) i love that (laughs) that's a fun experience yeah also like i don't wear heels because that is not the way that i express myself But it does feel really good to wear heels sometimes. Really? Like, I think everybody needs a powerful, like, <laughs> pair of heels that, like, clacks on the ground when you walk. You know, like, when you, you're you walking out, they're like, oh, they're coming. Oh, my gosh. That paired with a well-tailored suit. Wow. Peak, I think Peak I, gender. Peak gender, everything. <laughs> I think I would skip the heels. That's definitely not something that I miss <laughs> about uh, attire and expectations. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't actually miss them. But it is, like, there are certain ways like certain types of gender expression that make you feel powerful within yeah. that gender role. And That's I feel true. like those are two yeah. examples on like the masculine and feminine side. Definitely. Yeah. It can be a powerful, a powerful thing. So, so we've talked about gender, sex, gender identity, gender expression, gender roles. Um, that all kind of leads us to how gender and society right we're touching on all of these things of um you know this is an individualized experience but it's also something that comes with a set of uh, expectations norms behaviors for the society in which you live so we've talked a little bit about uh, and you said this a couple of times gender is socially constructed can you say a little bit more about what that means in terms of gender and this social uh, experience of gender yeah so Gender and our idea of what gender is and how it should be expressed, it has been shaped like it's it was created 
by our culture, not because there's some like big brother figure out there telling us <laughs> what gender is supposed to be, but just us as a whole, as a collective, yeah. um, we determined that there were these roles and as our culture changes, those ideas change, but they, there is nothing about being born with a certain type of chromosome mm -hmm. that says that your hair can or can't be long. Mm -hmm. yep. Or, you know, there's nothing about what type of pattern you can wear or what type of like education you can have just based on like things that arbitrary things like what your body looks like or, you know. Yeah. So, but socially we have created that dynamic and mm -hmm. we live by that. Um, so that's usually what at least I'm referring to when I talk about it as a social construct is that it was constructed by society as a collective. And now it's something that we're like, we made our bed, we got to lie in it. Like we came up with this <laughs> and now we got to live by it. <laughs> I like that. Um, I think a lot of uh, about facial hair uh, when we're mm -hmm. talking about like social construction of gender. Um, and really, that just means the social expectations that we have of gendered people. Right. Um, before the safety razor was introduced, like sort of around the mid uh, or in the 20th century, um, men almost exclusively wore beards, right? Because it was, you couldn't just shave your own face typically unless you were really good at using a straight razor, right? So not a skill that everyone had. Um, so often someone else had to shave your face. So wearing beards was very popular. Uh, before that, the safety razor where each man could shave his own face, right? And so mm -hmm. that's an interesting example, I think, of sort of that um, that expectation around facial hair changing, right? That like before the invention of a tool, right? Men are supposed to always have facial hair. And then after the invention of this tool, more options, right? You can have facial hair, you can have different kinds of facial hair instead of a full beard, um, or you can be clean shaven. And that's very accepted for a grown man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Part of the, this is like derailing us a little bit, I'm sorry, but I want to talk about it now. Um, a lot, especially in the male world, yeah. there's a fear of breaking out of whatever the current social mm -hmm. construct of gender is mm -hmm. because of homophobia. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Like it's, a lot of it yeah. is like, oh, that looks gay. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I don't want to wear that, that's gay. Yeah. Or I don't, And people don't say that as much anymore, but there is this fear of appearing gay. Yeah. Um, and especially in, I feel like men have less room to play with gender than mm -hmm. women do, um, in that there's just this fear of looking gay and being made fun of for looking gay. And it is interesting that so much of our, like, gender roles are kind of based in our cultural understanding of sexuality as well. Even though gender and sexuality do not really have anything to do with each other, we have t we've linked them together. Like, oh, if you express your gender in this certain way, right. then you're gay. And the lot of the gay community does use gender expression to communicate, yeah. you know? So like there is, there is overlap, but I do think that it's interesting that our like social construct of like what gayness is supposed to look like mm -hmm. is linked to our concept of gender. Yeah. And gender expression. Yeah. Right. Because when I think when you're, when you're saying like men are afraid to look gay in some ways, that means there's a fear of looking feminine because femininity yeah. in men is associated with gayness, right? With mm -hmm. being homosexual or being queer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which then is like, oh, it's rooted in homophobia and misogyny now. Because being feminine <laughs> is degrading. Oh, gosh. Okay. Just we, gone down the rabbit hole. <laughs> yep. I love it. It's interesting because I think, so I'm older than you. Um, and what I, what I see in society is that 
it feels to me like there's less of that than when I was growing up. I feel mm -hmm. like men are mm -hmm. a lot more free to play with gender, to uh, play with color, to play with dress and attire and the way that, you know, men wear their hair or the jewelry that men wear. Um, that felt a lot more strict to me in the 80s and 90s than it feels today. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. And I, I felt it a lot more um, in a religious culture mm. because like you go to church and there's a million different things that the women can be wearing mm -hmm. and the men get to choose between like a black suit, a charcoal suit and a navy suit and <laughs> ties. Yeah. And like that, like I always have loved women's fashion, even though I don't like wearing it all the time mm -hmm. because there is so, so much expression and style. Yeah. And then like if you watch like men on the red carpet, it's like the same suit a million times, but there is more <laughs> and more room for expression now. And yeah. there's a lot of representation of open gender expression sure via like celebrities like harry styles yeah like people were so upset that he was wearing a dress on the cover of some magazine but i see that more and more of mm -hmm. like heterosexual cis men wearing skirts and dresses because it's just a cool style now and they're free to do that without judgment mm -hmm. so i do see more and more uh that we're breaking out of that yeah, it feels a lot more like open to me. Um, just in my years of living, I see more variation for men in terms of fashion. Um, I like the suits and the ties, uh, but and, and you're allowed. I'm, <laughs> and not I'm allowed to. I know. Like I mean, that. I'm a little boring. That's but fair. it's just that if you don't want that and you're trapped in that, then that's not fun. Yeah, that's fair. That's yeah. totally fair. Um, it's funny because we share a faith tradition. Um, I actually always think of, um, so we both grew up in the LDS church. Um, I actually think of men in the church as have always been an example of breaking social norms for men for me, because oh, it's like, funny. yeah, it's like my experience of men in the church. Like there aren't a lot of places where you see men um, crying together That's or true. like giving each other a hug and sort of yeah, holding there is a lot of emotional openness yeah which that's is not, very different yeah. I mean that's not a that isn't when we're talking about you know growing up in late 20th century or mid 20th century to late 20th century to 21st century United States that emotional openness is unique and does defy gender norms yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm back to the topic we were talking about. Um, it's all connected to gender. Yeah, it's, okay. yeah, it's all the same. <laughs> but um, when just referencing back to gender in society, yeah. gender is everywhere. Mm -hmm. Like, say, imagine, close your eyes. Humor okay. me if you will. All right, closing my eyes. Uh, you are a cis man, mm -hmm. and you wake up in the morning, mm -hmm and you get ready for work. Work that was determined, like your career path was shaped by expectations for your gender. You get ready for the day. The way that you dress, the way that you groom yourself is based on expectations for your gender. You go get in your car, a car that you could afford because of that you're getting paid more because of your gender. You drive, the way that you drive, the aggressiveness of your driving is shaped by the way that you were taught to drive because of your gender. Okay. You stop and get a coffee, but not at Starbucks because that's gay. <laughs> oh, no, Starbucks then, <laughs> This is news to me. You know, okay. like, but just to say that like so much of what we do yeah. was shaped by our current expectations or how mm. we were treated in the past or raised or taught those things yeah. because of our 
gender. Like the way that I was taught a lot of information and skills as a young person assigned female at birth, mm -hmm. like socialized female, raised female, is unique to that female yes. experience. It would not have been the same had I been raised the same way as my brothers. And my parents yeah. were pretty open gender wise, but just like in our general culture and right. at church and at school and all that stuff. So, so much of what you do and think about and so many of the choices that you make at some point were affected by gender. Yeah. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just something that I think it's is important to recognize and think about yeah. like how much gender and then to recognize for people who don't fit those gendered expectations and roles, mm -hmm. how much of their life mm -hmm. is uprooted by that. You know, sure. like as a lot of people are like, oh, you're transgender. It's just about the way that you dress right. and cut your hair and what pronouns you use. But it's so, so, so much more than that because gender is everywhere. It is everywhere. Or for people that it does fit, how much comfort that brings you in your daily life, mm -hmm. right? Perhaps like, so when you said uh, drive, driving the way you drive, I giggled for a second because I was like, that's <laughs> silly. And I was like, but wait a second. That's true. Like it made me think about um, when my mom taught me how to drive, right? She had an automatic car. And so I learned how to drive the automatic car, but it was really important to her that I learned how to drive a stick because she taught herself how to, she like had a lot of trouble learning how to drive a stick, but she learned. Um, and that was something that she had to seek out as a woman because she was a woman who wasn't taught how to drive a stick. She was taught how to drive an automatic whereas her brother was taught how to drive an automatic and a stick, mm -hmm. and so a stick shift car. And yeah. so it was really important to her that I learned how to drive a stick shift car, and that's a skill that I have, right? That I can drive a stick shift car now. Um, and I don't know, when I was growing up, that wasn't that wasn't as common, right? It was like women didn't weren't taught how to drive a stick shift car. That wasn't a feminine thing, right? Yeah, and then, a lot of car stuff is not a feminine thing. Totally, totally. A lot of people raised female are not taught how to do basic maintenance on their car. Yeah, and then yes. when you go to a mechanic, yes. you are treated differently as a woman. You're expected not to know anything. You're exactly. taken advantage of because it's expected that you don't know anything, uh -huh. even though being able to learn in your brain how to check your oil is right. not masculine or feminine. Right. Because of the way that we're raised in our social expectations, it does yeah. change so much of your experience with car buying, car maintenance, driving, all that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. I In high school, my softball coach, he was also the shop coach, um, and he taught every single person on his team, every single, at the time, people that were assumed to be young women, most of whom are, are women today, um, some of us not though, um, how to do basic car maintenance on our cars so how to change the oil like you know that was just a part of like his coaching skills we're also going to teach you some basic things about automotive care and that's always that's made really me cool. better at caring for my cars and purchasing cars because i've always had that knowledge you mm -hmm. know yeah there's a lot of things that i've realized moving into male spaces and various workplaces is that there are things that i just don't know i was never taught and it's expected that i know it and like all like the what? men that i work with know it like you being able to use certain equipment and mm. some of that is just because like i'm new to the job i don't know how to use equipment yeah but like there is this expectation like men should already know how to do this yeah and the women need to be trained mm -hmm. and i'm like wait train me <laughs> i don't know what's <laughs> I don't going know how on to do this. um i have had that, a similar experience where before transitioning uh in the workplace i was assumed to need to be taught things mm -hmm. and then after transitioning i remember once this was the one and only time i worked for a like forward-facing social service provider um 
my boss, the executive director, and we were, it was just sort of this constant thing that would happen where she would assume I had knowledge that I didn't have because I was a man, because I, you know, was this man in the workplace. And I always thought that was so strange. It was like, I don't know what that is. I don't know how to do that. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. there's this assumption that I have that knowledge base, right? And mm-hmm. that, that I'm the one that she, the boss of this organization, can go to and learn how to do this thing. I was like, nope, don't know how to do that. You, you would need to teach me or yeah. let's go learn together. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it is like sometimes it's scary to be in that position, but I definitely yeah. preferred that to being like patronized all the time yeah, and talked down sure. to and yeah. treated like I don't know what's going on. Yeah. So, yeah, it is very different workplace experiences and educational experiences. Like yeah. you're expected to be just more knowledgeable, I feel mm-hmm. like. I agree. As a man. Yeah. Like just know information and pick up information, um, which doesn't like statistically, scientifically really make that much sense. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is just an expectation that changes the way that you're treated and the way that you're treated shapes the way that you think about yourself and the way that sure. you interact with the world. So I feel like so much of our like traits that are associated with our biological sex or our gender yeah. are really a product of how we were treated because of stereotypes and biases on our gender. So it's like this okay. self-fulfilling prophecy, prophecy kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. I will say I do like that that gendered uh, stereotype or that gender role of like being expected to know things. Now that I have adjusted to that, I, I like being the one who knows things. And yeah, like, yes, yeah. I go and learn the things so I can teach you the things when you need to know them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's that is something I enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Something I don't enjoy about mm-hmm. being in a male space now is that I feel less safe. Oh, really? To people. Interesting. Um, yeah. So like. Before, if I'm if I'm walking down the street mm-hmm. and I'm walking close to a woman who's walking down the street, like we're in this together. Mm-hmm. Like if one of us is gonna get mugged, we're in this together. <laughs> but now if I'm walking down the street and a woman is walking down the street, like I am the danger oh, in that situation. Okay. So I always like I act super gay. <laughs> I'm like I am not a threat. Like, <laughs> oh, <my laughs> like I do uh-huh. feel like I I am seen differently from that safety perspective, and I'm less trusted in situations where I'm with strangers, mm. which like, I don't trust men either, but I'm like, oh, I'm not like, I wish I could communicate to people. Like I was raised, like I lived those same fears as you. Like I've been through the same dangers. I've had those same traumatic experiences because of my past like womanhood or experience of that. Mm-hmm. But there's just, it, you're not expected to be able to understand that. You're not expected to understand mm. like consent as well, or mm. because that's not taught as well to men. So it is like, there's a lot of things that I, I'm so grateful that I was raised in with feminine expectations and development of those traits, because I do feel like it makes me a very safe and caring and empathetic person, but that's not what the expectation is for me now. Mm. And so I always just feel, I don't know. I feel bad that like, dang it, men ruin this for everyone. (laughs) That's so fascinating. I feel like I have become more of a person of safety for other people. Like, you know, when people need comforting or they need safety or protection, they look to me and come to me to be that person who provides that safety. Yeah. If it's people that I know, I feel that way. Interesting. Like my friends, I feel like there is this expectation that I can take care of them now. Yeah. Like I can be that person. Sure. But just like for strangers and people at parties and stuff, I'm like, 
I'm not one of them, I swear. Interesting. <laughs> like, I I'm felt, a safe I'm a safe guy. You're a safe guy, yeah. yeah. I felt that even with strangers, like in dangerous situations, like at a protest or something like that, or um, if there's something happening on the street and walking by, like people sort of gravitating and being like, oh, you're someone who is going to yeah. make sure I'm okay. You do have extremely friendly vibes, though. I try to smile a lot. I actually yeah, do that you, on purpose. You come so off that, as a very friendly and welcoming person, I so like I can that. see that. I like yeah. that. Okay, maybe that's part of it. I smile a whole lot so that people aren't like so that people are like oh he is friendly you yeah. know like <laughs> i also just like smiling it feels good yeah mm. it's fun to be happy it is fun to I be like happy it. i like it <laughs> there's there's this like i don't know if i would call it a trend mm -hmm. but like people will post pictures and it's like a frog with a wearing a little leaf as a hat oh. sitting on a rock and people are like gender and it's like people will post inanimate objects or just pictures of beautiful things and be like, this is my gender. <laughs> and it's because we are like, gender is becoming less and less this male, female binary and becoming more and more just this artistic way of expressing yourself. Interesting. And so it's more of like, your gender is like your vibe. Your vibe, okay. And so right. there are, and that gets made fun of, I think by people who don't understand what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but there is like, your gender is, Friendly gender. Friendly gender. Happy like gender. <laughs> Happy guy know. gender. Like, like, there's just the way that you present yourself. But yeah, I always think that's funny. I see them all the time. Like, people will post a picture of a cat, like <laughs> a, cat. a super messed up cat, like eating oh, a no. cheese stick, and they're like, gender. Oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that's awesome. I have not seen this, but now I'm going to send look you for some this. when I okay, see Okay. Okay. <laughs> that sounds good. That's awesome. You know, I think the thing that I love most about gender and this is probably why in my uh, so in my sort of studies and academic pursuits uh, after high school and college, um, I studied women and gender studies uh, in part because I think gender is so interesting. And I love that we can have this, you know, sort of this movement towards my gender is this vibe, this mood, right? Mm -hmm. This crazy little cat or this cute little frog. Um, and we can have people that like, you know, being really masculine men really works for them or being yeah, really feminine yeah. women really works for them. Like, I love that. I love that for me, I feel like gender is such a interesting human phenomenon that we can embrace all of those things, right? And we can respect and love and accept people for all of the ways that we experience gender. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think it is really cool to explore and it's. I'm really glad that it's such a big topic of conversation yeah. and that all types of people are wanting to learn about gender and not yeah. just people who like quote have to learn about gender like trans people you kind of have to learn because you got to figure it out that's true but i feel like everyone's talking gender everyone's more open to gender yeah. and it's just so important to see how you're impacted by gender to understand how you experience gender and then to think about how do i want to experience gender yeah like who do i want i can be who i want to be how do i want to be that what are different ways that i can express myself or yes like turning inward and really thinking about how you feel i think is extremely healthy yeah. like emotionally psychologically yep. and just fascinating it is very it, fascinating it's so cool like i i feel really lucky to live in a day and age where i've got women in my life who are you know women who are exploring like uh doing womanhood and their gender 
in a way that defies all of the social gender roles, right? And all of the gender norms and women who totally embrace those gender norms, right? Mm -hmm. And like, and a cross section of cis and trans women that do both of those things, right? And like, that's really fun. I love seeing that and seeing that variety or, or men who, you know, are stay-at-home dads and very much the nurturer and caregiver to their entire family um, or men who are that traditional dad, you know, in that sort of traditional role. Like it feels, I feel really lucky to live in a day and age where I get to see all of that, right? Mm -hmm. And have people in my life that fit all of those things and in between, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people think of gender, I think, especially in our binary culture, mm -hmm. I mean, I keep saying binary and haven't defined that, but just meaning that there's two, like yep. there's two options. Two options. Um, is that there's like this scale, like people who are becoming more open to gender are like, oh, there's a scale of gender. It goes from blue mm -hmm. to pink and mm -hmm. you can be anywhere on that scale, but it's not a linear scale between two end goals. It's a whole color wheel yeah. and you can be anywhere on that. Mm -hmm. And if you, the blue is great for you, that's awesome. That's if the awesome, pink is yeah. great for you, that's awesome. If you wanna be green, if you wanna be yellow, like those options are out there and you can be that and you can be happy and thrive and successful and yeah. hold the job. And you know, like you don't, yeah. we're not, freaks of nature anymore like you can yeah. be whatever you want to be and that's okay and that's healthy and you can be a contributing member of society mm -hmm. right you can be the traditional gender norms and roles you can defy those in in whole in part whatever it is and you're still valued as a member of this culture this society this nation right you, can, you should hold a job right you should mm -hmm. go and succeed in whatever ways you want to succeed and contribute to your family your community right contribute to all of it yeah yeah yeah. So that's gender, everybody. That's gender. <laughs> um, so we we also uh, have a whole section about gender based social movements that maybe we cover next week. What do you think? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking that because there's a lot of that that I would love to dive yeah, into more than what we have time for in this episode. I like it. Um, so what is gender part two? Next what is gender week? part two coming soon? I like it. In the meanwhile, stay curious. Stay curious. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Gender Curious. You can find us weekly on every major podcast provider on Facebook at Gender Curious Podcast and on Instagram at Gender Curious Pod. Please like, follow, and share. It would mean so much to us if you would also leave us a review. We're hoping for five stars uh, on whatever platform you're using to listen to our podcast. If you have any questions or just want to reach out to us, you can email us at hi at gendercuriouspod.com. And we will be back next week with another episode. Gender Curious is recorded at Full Swing Studios and is a member of the One Community Podcast Network.